This podcast contains advice that should never be followed, spoilers you'll wish you hadn't heard, and language you wouldn't teach to children. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony R. It's time for Agony R. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony R. Well, Agony R is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony R a call. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Stick them up, my bum, ba bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Good callback. Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Aunt podcast in which we try to solve your problems not using our own brain power, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve those problems, at least you're left with a fun reading, listening, and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name's Aaron. I'm an author and I read books every now and then. And I've got Carl, our film fan, and Liam, our music maestro, here with me in our swanky online studio for our surprise Christmas special series two. Surprise! Ho, 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 ho. How's it going, lads? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going good. I'm in the festive mood today. It's bloody yeah, Christmas. We... I do like your um, your turkey hat. Yeah. Liam's wearing a turkey hat for the listeners. That plays jingle bells for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a real turkey. And his face is covered in cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, lads, what do you two want for Christmas? What shall I get you? I would quite like some fans. Can you sort that out for us? <laughs> like hot and cold Dyson fans? Yeah, you know, the sorts where it gets a bit warm in the winter. But... I've got one of those here. They're amazing, yeah. Liam, honestly. <laughs> I would like a £100 John Lewis voucher. <laughs> <laughs> why, why stop at 100 Is there something very specific that you want to buy? I'm not a greedy man. <laughs> he's got a quota to mention John Lewis at least once an episode, so he's, <laughs> he's filled that now. He's you can buy. You can meet all your Christmas in... Christmassy needs at John Lewis <laughs> and get a five-year guarantee on any electrical items. <laughs> and if you find it cheaper elsewhere, they will price match. Are you reading this off their website or have you, have you genuinely been paid? No, I actually know all this. <laughs> Why is Carl the only one with a sponsorship on this podcast? Have you seen my John Lewis jumper? <laughs> uh, just to let the listeners know. Other department stores are available. <laughs> but they're not. We established this. They're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to move on. Before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we are not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial and or fictional pickles. And our advice should almost never be followed. So we're really only here to have fun. So if you're having a really hard time, please go to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, with that out of the way, let's get on with it. Here's our first problem of the day. But lads, I'm actually not going to go straight into the first problem of the day. <gasps> Say what? Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to start the episode with a pop quiz, asshole. Liam, can you do some Christmassy shocking music? What? <laughs> <laughs> With jingle bells. <laughs> in this pop quiz arsehole, this will run throughout the episode, so I will occasionally drop in rounds. Mm. 
for this pop quiz arsehole. It's exciting. So maybe we should start with buzzers. What are your buzzers, lads? Carl? Ho, ho, ho. All right. Liam? Jingle bells. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. All right. You've got to do it in that style every time, though. All right. If I can remember what that style is, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've got to remember those throughout the episodes, uh, episode, lads. And in this uh, pop quiz arsehole, I am going to quote a Christmas song or film in the voice of a famous person. You have to guess <laughs> the name of the song and or film and who is saying it. <laughs> and the reason I did this is that for quite a few episodes now, we've been missing what made Agony Art great. Impressions. The terrible impressions mm. that we used to do. I've got some lined up, don't worry about that as well, yeah. <laughs> Good. Some of these impressions are terrible. I was doing them to my wife the other day, and she was like, that doesn't sound like him at all. <laughs> so, That's the agony art way. Yeah, so some of them might be a challenge. I hope that one of them is my impression of a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with the first one. Right, buzzers at the ready, lads. I think I'm starting with an easy one, so... Welcome to my Christmas song. Oh, oh, oh. Like to... Jingle bells. <laughs> Go on, Carl, you first. Uh, David Bowie with um, uh, Step Into Christmas, Elton yeah. John. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> One point to Carl. We don't want to actually, Liam, we, just, we should um, allow a five-second no-buzzer period to let Aaron really flesh out his um, impression, I think. But then we won't be able to show off our knowledge by coming in as early as possible. <laughs> is that something you do often Liam <laughs> <laughs> right okay yeah well done Carl that's one point to you we'll see how the rest of the episode goes for you let's move on to problem one I fucking hate Elf on the Shelf it's so fucking stupid to hide the stupid fucking Elf somewhere different every day I'm not that creative and I've only got three shelves so I'm already out of fucking ideas Please provide some tips on where to hide this bastard elf or how I can get out of this pathetic fucking craze. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> um, so, Carl, as the resident parent of Agony Art, and I'm not saying you are our parent. <laughs> <laughs> My boys. As the, res- as the resident parent, maybe you should uh, explain for any listeners who aren't aware what Elf, in the sh- elf on the Shelf is. So he's a kind of he's a fluffy or like toy elf with a soft body and a hard head. Um, do you want me to describe the elf? He's got um, <laughs> no. He tends to be red. To the, I don't want you to describe the concept. Okay. <laughs> so the idea is at the beginning of December he arrives from the North Pole in in some elaborate way. Once one year we had like a hot air balloon which was massive, and he like arrived. <laughs> this year he come in a in a nice kind of envelope thing. And um, you, and then you hide him every day around the bedroom, and he's like a a naughty elf. Like, where's he gone now? That naughty elf, like kind of thing. Or maybe that's yeah. just what we do. But um, so so far <laughs> this month, um, he's been on safari with uh, my little boy's animals. He's uh, stormed a castle. He's fought a dragon. Bloody hell, he's um, quite violent. This elf, isn't he's, he? He is. Yeah, <laughs> he's been on an exercise bike. Um, <laughs> well, you've got to keep fit for all those battles, haven't you? Exactly, yeah. So um, it's a fun little thing every morning, little festive spirit generator. The only thing is, I've now got about six, well, not six because he's only four, but we've got like, four, and people buy him. So we got uh, actually like got five or six elves hanging around. And mm. last year we tried to hide them all. And was like, no, this is no good. So <laughs> you're, uh, <laughs> you're worried that they're going to 
overtake the house. Yeah. <laughs> conquer you and <laughs> oh, move con- you out. Con- conquer me, elf. <laughs> um, so now that you've explained the concept, before we name them and move on to problem solving, maybe you should give your opinion. Do you fucking hate Elf on the Shelf? No, I don't actually. I love it. I think it's a great yeah. little thing to do. Yeah, I like thinking about what to do with him. Like, hide him, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Up your bum. I like the... <laughs> Where is he this morning? <laughs> I, I like uh, the little little shriek of excitement when you find him upside down in a cupboard or something like that, you know, from the child. So it's, uh, it's a nice thing is to do. Is it from the child, though, Carl, or is it your wife getting up before you, hiding it somewhere, and then when you wake up, when you find him, you go... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't actually have a child. My wife does it for me. <laughs> uh, okay, so names. Buddy. Buddy. Buddy the elf. All right, I'm up for that. So who can help Buddy? Well, Carl, you've you've made that sound really nice. And um, my prep, well, my point kind of rips the shit out of the whole idea. So I'm just going to pretend you didn't make it sound really nice. <laughs> and then yeah, that we can shit, Carl. <laughs> we can come back to uh, see see if we agree at the end. Liam's so, always ripping shit, isn't he? How do you rip shit? Uh, very delicately. Yeah. Otherwise it goes everywhere. Is it going to be stuck to you first? <laughs> like, like clay. Oh, like dry it. <laughs> yeah, dry it on, then rip it off. Yeah, like a, a spa day. <laughs> I imagine that's a treatment, isn't it? I don't know. I've never been to a spa day. Can I have an hour of the rip, ship ripping, please? <laughs> ship ripping. And then I'll have, a, I'll have a sports massage after that. Thanks. <laughs> Go on, rip the shit out of it, Liam. Well, I'm totally with Buddy on this. So, Cole, you did explain what it is, but you didn't explain the roots. And I don't want to go into too much detail because I wasn't sure if Aaron was going to talk about the actual book. This is, is our book. It, well, exactly. So... You know, this this is painted out like it's a Christmas tradition, and it's not a Christmas tradition at all. It is a business model. It started with a book and a toy in 2005. It's not even mm. that old. So mm. if if I had loads of people saying, oh, yeah, you've got to do Elf on the Shelf, it's great, I'd be a bit like, fuck <laughs> off, I'll do what I want. Um, uh, can, I, can I just interrupt you, Liam, and say I'll just look the book up, and it's called Elf on the Shelf, A Christmas Tradition. So I think you're completely wrong there. They... <laughs> it's called... It's in the title, Liam. It's a tradition. <laughs> it can't be wrong if they named it. <laughs> um, it doesn't surprise me that it's quite new, though, because I'd never heard of it before I was, like, in 2005. Before no. I found myself in Funny 2005. Funny that, isn't it? <laughs> None of, no one ever did it when we were kids, did they? Nope. No. Because it wasn't no. around. <laughs> so I wanted to make a case here that all of the best Christmas traditions were made a long time before 2005 and I'm not just talking about you know like Christmas trees and Jesus and all that <laughs> that, tra- that tradition <laughs> Tradi- traditional Jesus uh, <laughs> so the music industry is going to back me up on this as well and I thought I could also turn this into a little game is it a pop quiz asshole kind of no, you know what? Yeah, it is. There'll be points. There'll be so on third of December twenty twenty one, Rob Copsey over at the official UK charts published a list of the forty most streamed Christmas songs. This is December twenty twenty one. This is like as up to date as I've ever been. Wow. And I wanted to play two rounds here. In the first round, I want you to take turns naming songs from 
I'm going to be a bit more generous. I'm going to say 2,000 and later and see how many mm. you can get that are on the list. Top and Christmas songs. Top 40 most streamed Christmas songs. From so from 2000, so and right later. here he's out. Yeah, so the list has everything, but you need to name, see how many you can name on the list that are from post-2000. All right, should oh. we take turns? Go on, uh, Yes. Give me a second. Oh, you first. The thing up. Raging Against the Machine, killing in the name. Carl, I'm afraid you're already out. i'm gonna say christmas time don't let the bells end by the darkness yes you are correct that is number i really should have ordered this list a bit better (laughs) it's on there with numbers (laughs) with with real numbers it's number 38 do they have to be christmas songs or not christmas number ones no it's the top 40 most streamed christmas songs so they must be Christmas themed then. Yeah, was there forty um, after two thousand? Bloody hell! Um, hot no, pants. No, Cole, give you one for wasn't. Christmas. Cole, Cole, listen. It's the top forty most streamed Christmas songs of all time. Yeah, and you have to name the ones from after two thousand. There's actually an unfair weighting towards songs post two thousand. I think because you, you they imagine got uploaded they first. Really streamed. <laughs> streamed. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going Band Aid <laughs> twenty. Do they know it's Christmas? Uh, no, that's not on there either. <laughs> Any, anyway, Cole, Cole, you're out. It's, it's Aaron's turn. <laughs> oh, Aaron, just name 40 songs. <laughs> I won because Cole got knocked out in the first round. Well, yeah, but you haven't named one either. <laughs> he did the dog. Yeah, I just said, don't let the bell end. Don't let the oh, bell yeah, end. yeah, sorry. You're right. Yeah. All right. So that was, that, was a good, that was a good demonstration of how difficult that is. So now <laughs> we're going to play the other way around. You have to name the songs oh, that fuck. are on the list from before 2000. Mariah Carey. I wish it could be Christmas every day. By Mariah Carey. Yeah, I wish it could be Christmas. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's I know that what song? you mean. I'm What's that fucking song called? How do I not remember what this is called? <laughs> um, I, cannot re- I cannot think of this fucking song. I don't want to know. All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> yeah, go. You yeah. uh, you forgot the name of the most streamed Christmas song of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Do I win uh, that? <laughs> well, I'll do Last Christmas Wham then. Yes, number two. Uh, do it. Do the next Christmas Band Aid original number five. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, Shaky Stevens. No, no, do you mean Slade? <laughs> Yeah, Slade. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's number twelve. Wizard. I wish it could be Christmas yeah, every day. I was getting confused <laughs> over it. I was. Mm. I, I was like, wait, is that the wizard one or is that? But then I remembered, it's Christmas, <laughs> which is that bloke from Slade, isn't it? Uh, number nine is I wish it could be Christmas every day. Well done, Carl. Ooh, what's number three then? Um, ah, oh, Fairy Tale of New York, the Pogues. Uh, it was Aaron's turn. Yeah. Fairy Tale of New York, the Pogues. Yeah, that's number three, Aaron. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so we're missing number four. Bing Crosby, White Christmas. Yeah, it is on the list. It's number 22. Are we carrying on, Liam? Are we getting all 40 or whatever? <laughs> no, you're going until <laughs> until someone wins or loses. Uh, uh, Blue Christmas, Mud. That's by Mud, isn't it? Oh, Aaron, you are out. <laughs> Fuck. It is by Mud, but it's not yeah. in top 40. I've never heard that one. What? That's uh, a tune. Mud. <laughs> oh, wait, no, hang on. Uh, Mud, lonely this Christmas. That's Elvis. Lonely this Christmas is. Mud. Oh fuck! Yes, that's what I meant. Um, see, it's so confusing. There are too many. 
<laughs> I think Blue Blue Christmas is actually in the list. Yeah, it is. So yeah, we got the wrong. You got the wrong artist. Yeah, okay. but you couldn't remember the name of all I want for Christmas is you. So I think I can let him off. <laughs> so you can have that, Aaron. As number thirty-four. Mud loaded this Christmas. Oh, I just literally just told you it's not in the list, but I was wrong. It's number twenty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm going to have to surrender, I think. So I just. Oh, there's I... so many more. So many yeah, more. exactly. And, and we've been listening hours. to non stop Christmas <laughs> playlists, but you just can't call them to your mind anymore, can you? Like they just don't come. Carl, then for the win? Uh, Cliff Richard, Mistletoe and Wine. No, not on the list. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, so, yeah, you could have had Merry Christmas, everyone, Shaking Stevens. There were lots and lots and lots, lots of options. And that E17, is... stay another day. Uh, you know what? Weirdly, that is not in the list. But it's got jingle bells in it. So anyway, that's my. Po- I think the proof was in the pudding there. Look at how many you could name from before 2000 and how many you could name after 2000. I even put some statistics together on this just in case people thought it was a fluke, right? In that top 40, 67.5% of the songs were before 2000. So that means 32% were post 2000 but if you exclude all of the post 2000 songs that were covers of songs that were originally released in like the 40s and 50s or whatever that actually goes down quite a bit to 17 percent. so we're not really getting much in the way of new classic christmas songs the ones in there that are uh relatively new are things like santa tell me by ariana grande uh kelly clark underneath the tree leona lewis yep one more sleep one more, more sleep, sleep. One more sleep until it's Christmas. One more sleep. One more sleep until it's Christmas. One more sleep. Stick your finger in my bum hole. (laughs) (laughs) The highest entry post 2000 was Michael Bublé with it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. But obviously that is a very old song. So, you know, Mm. take that with a pinch of salt. My question is going to be, you made a point, but how does it help, buddy? The point is, <laughs> if you don't like Elf on the Shelf, then you don't have to do it. It's not a real tradition. And, Carl, you were talking earlier, the way you made it sound nice, because you were saying, oh, it's a naughty elf, and you run around, and you know, you look at what he's doing and things like that. That sounds nice. The What was in the original book was that the elf is essentially a spy from... Uh, the North Pole, who's who's looking at your kids and making sure they're behaving themselves so that they get presents. And, you know, if you don't like that, you don't have to give in to that kind of authoritarian big brother idea of teaching your children that being spied on is great. You know, it's not a real tradition. And as far as I'm concerned, it never will be. So stand firm, buddy, and you can tell that elf to fuck off. <laughs> I think um, the reason that the North Pole is on our government sanctions list is because of all the spies that They've uncovered. <laughs> it's a serious in little problem. little kids' bedrooms. National security. <laughs> it's, it's a cold war. Hey! <laughs> so um, I disagree with Liam wholeheartedly. I think it's a load of bollocks, to be honest. And uh, Liam suggesting that the um, like we can't be original in this day and age. We can't do new things just because we have it. Don't mean we can, Liam. Okay, so fuck off. I'm only joking. Don't worry. <laughs> no, Liam, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. So we touched on a Christmas film last last Christmas special, um, which we all agreed was a Christmas film and one of the the biggest Christmas films out there. And um, of course, 
talking about 1994's Braveheart, starring, directed <laughs> by, and produced by Mel Gibson. <laughs> now, you laugh, but this won five Oscars. Five. Oh, my day. Did it win the Best Christmas Film Oscar? Best Christmas <laughs> Film, Best Christmas Score, <laughs> Best Elf. Best Elf. Best Christmas Costume Design. <laughs> best, best Use of Jingle Bells in a Period Drama. <laughs> so, have you, have any of you seen this film? Yeah. I actually haven't. We need to discuss this, but one of our special god-tier Patreon things one day <laughs> is going to be a Braveheart watch-along, I think, which um, <laughs> yeah. which Lean was well up for, if I don't... If I for, for, like, god-tier right. Patreon, it's usually, like, 100 quid or something like that, isn't it? 100 pound John Lewis Archer. <laughs> <laughs> That's god-tier. This is demi-god-tier. <laughs> so, um, in the year of our Lord, 1280 um, AD... Year of our Lord AD. Who's our Lord AD? <laughs> Adrian Charles. Alexander III of Scotland dies with no heir. And Edward Longshanks, the first of England, says, you know what? That that country's got no king. I'm going to be the fucking king. And invades Scotland. During some talks with with the nobles of Scotland, Edward Longshanks have them all basically killed, including William Wallace's older brother and uh, dad. So he's now... Still count as talks if you're just killing people. <laughs> yeah, what point does it change? <laughs> These talks are over. <laughs> so William Wallace um, is now orphaned. His mum's not about for some reason. And um, some geese, some geezer turns up and is like, I'm your uncle. What's his uncle Argyle. I'm your uncle Argyle. Aaron, um, when I say things like that, I want you to do it in a Scottish accent. I'm your uncle Argyle. That is perfect. You little bastard. <laughs> And uh, he says, he turns up at the funeral, and he's like, he's all like dressed up in nice stuff. He speaks Latin and Greek and shit. And you're like, why is William Wallace's family like peasants, and his uncle's some shit hot guy? I like how but, previously um, you described him as some geezer, and now you're like, he knows Latin and Greek. He's a geezer. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a top geezer. Let's 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 go down the pub. E pluribus unum. <laughs> So he goes off for a number of years. Um, Edward Longshanks is king of Scotland and England. Um, Scots aren't happy about it, but you know they're like, yeah, whatever, fine. Later on, he returns, knowing Latin, speaking French. I might have got the Greek wrong, so he don't speak Greek. Um, he's been to Rome. He's met the Pope. You know, he's he's become top geezer. <laughs> um, so he comes back and he wants to. Um, he says, um, I want. He wants to work on his farm, and if God will, raise children. Um, and then he meets a, a woman called Mudden. He's like, and he remembers Mudden because um, at his dad's funeral, she gives him a thistle. She picks it up as a little girl, runs it around to him, gives it to him, and he saves the thistle the whole time to remind him of home. And then he sees her and he starts courting her. And, um, you know, they go off for horse, bareback horse rides in the rain, you know. <laughs> All that it was dangerous stuff. going bareback in those days as well. It was. Didn't know what you'd catch. And um, so, yeah, they fall in love. They get married in secret. Um, meanwhile, Edward Longshanks has installed a law called Prima Nocta, which means the lord of the manor can have sex with a newly wedded woman the night of their wedding. He gets first dibs. What the fuck? Now, that doesn't really go down well with the, S- the Scottish people, and that's why they keep their wedding a secret so it doesn't happen. 
But then um, uh, Murren nearly gets raped and she fights back and she bites a guy's face off almost, like trying to get out of there. Yeah, so then uh, William Wallace uh, comes back. Uh, oh, he, he tries to help her escape and then he escapes himself, but then she gets caught and then she gets her throat slit in public, like public execution. And then when William Wallace finds out, he goes back and all hell breaks loose. He smashes some guy's face in with a mace. He basically kills the entire garrison. Then he goes to take over like a local castle. And he says, um, go back to England and tell them there that Scotland is free. Go, on, Aaron. go back to England and tell them that Scotland is free. So it's a bit like Taken, really, isn't it? <laughs> is it? Is that a Taken spoiler? I <laughs> yeah. don't know. When Liam Neeson is liberating Scotland in Taken. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, it's a little bit different because his wife was murdered, but you know Liam Neeson's daughter was taken. Mm. But he just goes batshit crazy, yeah, kills everyone involved in the thing, mm. and so, gets his revenge. Yeah, so basically, his wife getting executed causes him to lead Scotland in an uprising against England. So loads of shit happens. They have a battle of Stirling. They call it Battle of Stirling in the film. It's actually the Battle of Stirling Bridge in real life in which the um, Scottish absolutely decimated the uh, English forces. And that was, and then they managed to come south and invade York. Edward Longchance is like, oh, fuck's sake. And then he goes to fight him in the Battle of Falkirk, and the Scots lose that one. And William Wallace is betrayed by Robert the Bruce. And uh, so Robert the Bruce wants to be king of Scotland as, as like a vassal. So like, you know, let me be king, Edward Longchance, but you're really king. Uh, he's, that's what his dad wants. Edward, he's a bit torn, Robert the Bruce, but um, he like kind of accepts it, betrays William Wallace at the Battle of Falkirk, but then ultimately helps William Wallace escape because he feels bad. Wallace then re-raises an army, and that's where he goes, Wallace killed 50 men. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's your favourite quote from the film, isn't it? I've heard you say that many times. And, and this it is, is <laughs> this is the same Wallace from Wallace and Gromit, isn't it? Yeah, that's what he, yeah. Yeah, he becomes an inventor later in life. Yeah. Starts every day with a nice <laughs> slice of Wensley Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, skipping forward, yeah, I'm getting oh. to the point. I'm getting to the point. To the point. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I'm struggling to see where you're going with this. That is going to end up back at Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> I'm getting to the point. Yeah. So, um, Wallace re-raises the army, but then he can't. He can't beat the English without the Scottish nobles on side. So he goes to a meeting in Edinburgh. And that's where Robert the Bruce's dad has set it up. So William Wallace gets caught and he gets taken back to England, hung, drawn and quartered. And um, I've got, a, this is a little pop quiz arsehole. What noise would you make if you were laying down with your insides being ripped out? Aaron? <laughs> Liam? <laughs> William Wallace utters not a sound, except it's- when... Yeah, they say to him, get me some iron brew. <laughs> <laughs> Call it a knife. <laughs> so if he if he admits treason, uh, he can be killed swiftly, a swift head cutting. If he doesn't, he's going to be tortured. So as they torture him, they say, just ask for mercy. Please say one word, mercy. And then Wallace doesn't say a word, but then he musters all his strength and he shouts, Freedom! <laughs> that sounded like it faded out. 
It does. I actually did it. As a, that was probably, if you just watch the film, that's probably exactly right. I've seen it that many times. <laughs> <laughs> um, For the so listeners, yeah. what Carl actually did there was just press play on a paused DVD <laughs> that he'd set up. <laughs> um, and his um, heroics leads Scotland to raise a new army and beat the English at the Battle of Bannockburn and win their freedom with Robert of Bruce as king. So, buddy, what you need to do is channel all that hatred into something good. You have to think about how you're huge. You hate something so much, but the end result of it is something good. You're making a child happy. So, you know, you might hate it. Like William Wallace hated Edward Longshanks, but that hatred made him free Scotland. So you, your hatred can make you child happy. <laughs> that was a hell of a reach. We need a reach for the stars by S Club button, don't we? <laughs> You try shoehorning Braveheart, the biggest Christmas <laughs> film of all time, into, into a show. <laughs> right, so that was 45 minutes so far for the first problem. So I'm going to rock it through mine. So, buddy, kids want to do this stuff because it's fun. And as soon as it stops being fun, that's when they're going to lose interest. So I'm not going to say put more effort, effort into it, like Carl channeling William Wallet. William, <laughs> William Wallace. William Wallaby. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to say it's a load of fucking bullshit like Liam. <laughs> what I am going to say is, how do you get rid of Elf on the Shelf? Take the fun out of it. Take your lesson from any of the following stories. Doll Bones by Holly Black. A group of kids play out a role-playing game with some action figures until one of their dads tells them to stop playing with dolls and grow up. But then... One of the kids dreams that one of their dolls is made from the remains of a dead girl and needs to be laid to rest. Or The House of Small Shadows by Adam Neville. I think this is about a woman who takes on a job cataloguing the contents of an old ex- eccentric man's house. Who And he collected like antique dolls and puppets. And then at night she hears noises that sound like tiny people walking mm. around the house. Or Night of the Living Dummy, which we've mentioned before by R.L. Stein, one part of the Goosebumps series. Two sisters get ventriloquist dummies and strange and creepy things start happening. Or The Doll Collection, which is a short story collection edited by Ellen Datlow. 17 short stories in that one, all about creepy dolls by authors like Stephen Gallagher, Joyce Carol Oates and Stephen Graham Jones. So what's my point, buddy? You can make your kid sick of Elf on the Shelf by making it the creepiest fucking thing your kid has ever seen. You could uh, <laughs> some ideas that I had. You could like find some roadkill, find a dead squirrel or something that's been hit by a car locally, place it next to the elf so it looks like the elf murdered it. <laughs> your kid's not going to like that, is he? <laughs> or you know, if you're mechanically minded or you've got like that Lego Mindstorms robotics stuff, you know, you could rig up the elf to a robotic skeleton and make it walk around like a haunted toy. But that's going to shit your kid up, isn't it? <laughs> but either way... Well, back to Braveheart, things... you could hang, draw and quarter him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've got multiple elves like Carl, you could make... You could set up a little tableau where several of the elves are torturing the other elves. <laughs> and then your kid isn't going to like that, is it? So, you know, if your kid thinks the elf is haunted, they won't be into it anymore. So, um... Traumatizing your kid is the best option. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And before we move on to the jingle after problem one, are you ready for another round of my pop quiz arsehole? Let's go. 
Yeah, boy. Will you wait around to find out if it was just a necklace? Or if it's sex in a necklace? Or if, worst of all, it's a necklace and love? Ho, ho, ho. Go on, Carl. Matthew McConaughey. No? No. Okay. (laughs) Would you stick around knowing life would always be a little bit worse? Or would you cut and run? I know the film. I don't know the film, but I know the uh, impression. <laughs> should, we do, should we do it together, Liam? Yeah. Both of us together. It's, you can share the point if you want. It's Bill Clinton. We'd love, actually. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> but you did, though, Bill, didn't you? You did. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa there, Rudolph. What have we here? It's Christmas time at Agony Art. They are full of festive cheer. There's tinsel trees, some fresh mince pies, and a keg of German beer. The hosts can't wait till Christmas Day, but for them there'll be a twist. For I have heard their crude podcast, and they're on the naughty list. Let's move on to problem two. Usually, I love Christmas, but this year, I'm really not feeling it, which is frustrating me. How can I get out of this rut? You two up for Christmas this year? You in the mood? I'm in the mood. Um, I'm not really in the mood, actually. Like, um, I've, as you said, Aaron, I've got a child, but um, my my house is like in bits at the moment where we've been extending it and we've got the classic in by Christmas problem where we don't have a kitchen, mm. hot water or heating at the moment and we're like <laughs> and Christmas is Christmas is gonna be great. Yeah. So we're trying to get all that <laughs> sorted, but um it means we haven't got a tree up, no decorations. So yeah, it's not not fun at the moment, but hopefully Christmas Day will bring us all together and it will uh you know, it'll still be a good day. Your wife will come back to you. Yeah. I'm hoping that she uh we rekindle our love. <laughs> with a Christmas miracle can you think of names for this person before we solve their problem I was going to say the Grinch but I think we did that last year but she's not also like she loves Christmas she's just not normally. feeling it she? normally yeah Bill Bill Clinton Bill Clinton loves Christmas <laughs> famously alright Bill so Carl can you help Bill yeah so Bill um, I'm really sad to hear you say this and um, I hope that things come together for you and Christmas is what it was, or what you like it to be usually. But um, I'm going to talk about uh, Mean Girls. Have you both seen Mean Girls? You must, you must have, Aaron. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the yeah, musical on Broadway. Oh, Liam. Oh, Get you, shoot you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so Mean Girls is 2004. Um, great cast. Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, Tim Meadows, don't know who he is. Amy Poehler. Um, Amanda Seyfried so you know it's a really good film really well put together if you haven't seen it and you think he's a chick flick then I implore you guys to watch it as well because it's a good it's a good romp Mm. Um, so incoming terrible American name Katie not Katie Katie (laughs) (laughs) 
Carl's alienating our American listeners. <laughs> Sorry, Americans, but it's Especially terrible. all the ones called Katie. <laughs> um, Katie's uh, been homeschooled pretty much all her life because her parents are zoologists and they've been in Africa. And Well, I don't know if it's hard to get schooled in Africa, but for some reason she was homeschooled there. They felt <laughs> that was easier. Um, yeah. I imagine there's loads of little baby animals around and her and they're teaching, they're homeschooling. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little baby giraffe. Ah, yeah. oh, it'd be well cute. <laughs> um, so she um, she goes to Illinois and goes to high school for the first time, and she knows nothing about the um, no, how to act in a high school. So she befriends a couple of people that are kind of outsiders as well, and um, they describe all the different types of people. And um, the the kings of the school are the plastics, which are the popular girls who. All dress, you know, on Wednesdays, what they wear, Aaron? Pink. Good, yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Liam, I should give you Wait, opportunity to buzz there, yeah. Do you want me to do it in a Scottish accent? <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Pink. <laughs> um, and they decide to use Katie's kind of ignorance to infiltrate the plastics and kind of have an insider, these other, these... Mm go on board the other outsiders and so um katie then kind of schemes to get in their good books and also uh they want to bring them down so they she um tries to divide and conquer like you know bit bitch with one about the other one and let that one bitch to the other one and uh she tries to make uh, regina george like the kingpin fat by like saying um these certain bars are like uh they're, they're negative calories or yeah. some shit, so she eats loads of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then she finds herself like um, becoming a plastic. Like you know, she she lives the character. She's a bit like Daniel Day Lewis. Like she really lives the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Lohan <laughs> and Daniel Day Lewis are extremely similar. They are. <laughs> and so she gets really integrated to the point where um, you know she she actually alienates her original friends, and they think you become a plastic, and she becomes the kingpin as well at one point. Um, there, this is loosely related to Christmas because the the plastics um, recite um, Jingle Bell Rock every year at like the Christmas production. I can't remember what happens in this one, but like there's no the, the music like fails or something. So Katie like just starts singing it like a cappella mm. if you like, and then that she saves the performance, which then um, wins over the plastics even more as part of her kind of tactics. Um. But what happens is Katie is unhappy with her lot as a plastic. Like the boy that she's interested in starts not liking her. Her original friends don't like her anymore. And she's like, she has a realization that um, she goes to the uh, the mathletics thing, doesn't she? She's a mathlete. So they do like, yeah. um, it's like a maths quiz. And mm. um, she realizes that that's the kind of person she is. She's not a plastic and she regains her true self. And um, Regina George gets hit by a bus and all is well. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think the point I'm trying to make, and very swiftly, and I think this isn't too much of a reach, is that um, if the real it's if the fun. real you loves Christmas and you found yourself being sucked up by this anti-Christmas monster, then just do something like you know, like Katie went and done the mathletics to bring herself back to her original self. Put some tinsel up. Put the tree up, go and see Father Christmas, go ice skating, but, you know, ignite that Christmas festive fire inside of you and um, bring out the bauble bursting Christmas <laughs> monster. Um, I think that's a great example, Carl, because uh, I think that film might have been the first time I ever heard Jingle Bell Rock. And so whenever I hear it now, 
Mm. It reminds me of Mean Girls. But thanks for uh, saying it's a good, good example. By the way, budget $17 million, <laughs> box office $130 million. Ooh, Great oh, yeah. success. <laughs> good return on investment there, Lindsay. Well done, so Lin- business-minded. Lindsay Day-Lewis. <laughs> Uh, yeah no that was great well done Carl I'm going to talk about a Christmassy book which I think you'll agree is well worth a look it's called How the Grinch Stole Christmas and it's by Dr Zois who apparently pronounced his name to rhyme with rejoice do you mean reduce (laughs) Uh, i read that once but i'm not sure if it's true um either way it doesn't matter because that's irrelevant to you (laughs) and yes i know i've talked about this before but it's such a classic that i think we can flog it some more the point is that quote every who down in whoville liked christmas a lot but the grinch who lived just north of whoville did not He hates the warm, lighted windows, the songs, the toys, and he obsesses over the feast, the bells and the noise. But your problem is just this year, but the Grinch is never feeling it. And one year, he decides to set about stealing it. I won't spoil everything he does, because you really have to read it, and there's a lot of detail to the heist, but right now you don't need it. The short story is that he robs everything from the town. The toys and the food, tears all their decorations down. And he returns to his lair, pleased with the night he's had. He's ruined their Christmas, so they'll all wake up sad. But on Christmas morning, he hears a sound on the air. The whole town is singing. They don't seem to care. That all their stuff is gone. And the Grinch has a thought. Maybe Christmas isn't something that can be bought. Quote, Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. I'm not your, I'm not saying, Bill, you're materialistic and you need to get real. Sorry, Aaron, but that I'm was just... beautiful. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe you can fix how you feel by not focusing on the things that might be stressing you out, like presents or hosting, and finding what Christmas is really about. (laughs) Spending time with family and eating till you burst, and forgetting all about work, which for many people is the worst. Maybe you'll feel better if you just find one thing about it that's exciting, even if that's just covering your whole house in lighting. That's my advice. Read The Grinch and see that there's a lot to be excited about. And that's all from me. Carl, we've, okay, lost, well, that... him. we've lost him in the rabbit hole of rhyming. How do we get him back? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron. That was brilliant. That was absolutely fantastic. Sorry I interrupted you. I thought you finished. <laughs> <laughs> On Wikipedia, it says that Zoyce is his middle name. Oh. His actual middle name. His actual middle name. Like El- Elton Hercules John. Theodore <laughs> Zeus Geisel? Mm. Question mark? Before we move on to your example, Liam, just so that, uh, you know, we shove this one in the middle. Do you want to do a round of pop quiz, Arsal? Yeah, I do. All right, get your buzzers ready. I am an exceptional thief, Mrs. McLean. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, <laughs> you should be more polite. <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Go on, Carl. 
It's Die Hard and the pigs from Shrek. No, no. it's 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 Jurgen <laughs> from the Bake Off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The pigs in Shrek were German, so come on. <laughs> he hoofed and he poofed. He, he signed eviction notice. <laughs> this will go in the oven for exactly 32 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. You can share the point again there because you both, you both got half of it each. <laughs> so, Bill, you know, I know the feeling. You're a little bit low when December comes around. You think back to last year and you remember you gave someone your heart and on Boxing Day, they gave it away. And you think to yourself, do I really want to go for all that again? But I think, Bill, I think there's a time-proven method of getting into the Christmas spirit. And and to be honest, this works for me year in, year out. Even those years where I'm not really feeling it, eventually something will get me into it. And that is always to do with listening to some banging Christmas tunes. So Aaron and Carl, I wanted to ask, what are your favourites? Number one Christmas song for me is... Uh... All I want for Christmas is you. It's just such a tune, isn't it? But the reason I mentioned um, Don't Let the Bells End earlier is that I think that's an absolute tune as well. I think that's an example of a modern classic. (laughs) And the official UK chart would agree with you. (laughs) My favourites have always been, um, when I was like five, it was Mud, Lonely This Christmas, which is quite sad. That's my favourite now. No, I'm sad as in like a five-year-old who should be all full of Christmas festive spirit. Um, you had this exact same conversation on the last Christmas special. <laughs> where Carl, yeah, Carl said it used to be, but it was too sad. And Liam said, that's my favourite now. And then you had to justify it. <laughs> this is total deja vu. Oh, mental. Um, no, so we've answered this before, but I like um, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus coming to town. Recently, Jingle Bell Rock has gone up there because uh, my little boy loves it which is nice. Mm. It's funny that reminds you of Mean Girls because that reminds me of Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone. You know, Home Alone. Home Alone. alone. Yeah, Home Alone. And (laughs) Home Alone too. (laughs) Home Alone lost in New York. Lost two words, isn't it? Ho, Malone. Lost in New York. Have you not seen it? (laughs) Lost in Newark. (laughs) So anyway, to help Bill get into the mood, I've, I've got a, a small list of some 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 of the more upbeat Christmas songs, which which really help me out every year. We already mentioned one of them, "Step Into Christmas," Elton John. What a great feel good Christmas classic! Would you agree? Would it surprise you to hear that that only got to number twenty four when it was released in nineteen seventy three? Wow! No, <laughs> they weren't into Christmas back then, was it? It's, it's funny though because they they well, with... you say that, but the reason one of the reasons is because it was up against two pretty big hits. One of them was Slade's Merry Xmas, Everybody. Nah. And the other one was Wizards, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. So I think they were quite into Christmas back then. No, they hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so Slade actually got to Christmas number one that year. Wizard didn't. And because they didn't, they wanted to re-release it in 1981. I'm not sure why they waited, uh, what, eight years, but they did. Um, but by that time, they found the original tapes had been lost. So they had to re-record it with a band and with a new choir of children from a different primary school. Is it, <laughs> what, what version do we hear regularly? Original? I think it's probably the original because the second time they released it, it didn't get into the top 10. I'm, I'm not even sure if it got into the top 40. It didn't do very well. Can you imagine that being egotistical? Oh, we did get to number one. Let's just 
do it again and ruin this stuff. <laughs> Let's just keep trying every year. <laughs> yeah, it, it only got to number 41 the second time they released it, so it didn't even break the top 40. But that's also one of, one of the other songs I'd say, you know, it's another feel good. And even though it didn't get into the top 40 the second time they released it, it's still great. Listen to the original. That got it. Also, back then, if you've got, you buy a song, like you buy like a, LP or whatever, right? Yeah, so, so if you've already got it, you're not going to buy it again, are you? Yeah. Well, you're going to buy the same song by the same artist in a later year, unless you're like a collector. But it's a it's different bollocks. choir of children, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> and another one of my favourites, Merry Christmas Everyone by Shaking Stevens, 1985. Love that one. Good one. So, interesting story about this one. It was originally released, sorry, originally due to be released in 1984, but they thought, we're probably not going to beat Band-Aid, so let's wait a year, and they released it in 1985. And they got number one, um, which, you know, obviously that was a good idea. As we discussed in last year's Christmas special, in the same year, Wham! didn't decide to wait before releasing it. And they went up against Band-Aid. And last Christmas, mm. the double A side with everything she wants mm. became the biggest selling record to never reach number one. So Shaking Stevens, good business brain. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, there's many, many, many more. I'm sure, Bill, you've got your own favourites. Uh, Can I tell you a quick story about Shaking Stevens? Go ahead. Um, my father-in-law said uh, recently, in fact, I think it was yesterday, I think he said, I can't remember who, but he said either his friend or his sister or someone or your uncle or something saw Shaking Stevens performing and he used to do Elvis impersonations. And he said, oh, you're really good, but you should cut the Elvis shit out. <laughs> And he and he did and become a megastar. That was the story. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get some of that advice? <laughs> Maybe we'll become megastars. <laughs> You're great, but cut that podcast shit out. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Problems. Problem three. My friend Tyler told me at playtime yesterday that Father Christmas wasn't real. This made me really sad. It's such a sad and depressing world that Father Christmas, looking after the good children around the world, was the one thing that made me feel like it's not that bad. He does exist, doesn't he? This is sad, isn't it? Why would someone lie like that? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so, before we begin, before we dive in... Let's uh, do another round of Pop Quiz Arsehole. Have you got your buzzers ready? Yep. At the ready. Who is this and what are they quoting? I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. Jingle I don't bells. Care about... It's John Cooper Go Clark on, doing all I want for Christmas is you. That's perfect. Yes. Well done, Liam. <laughs> Touche. Okay, so can we think of a name for this person who has been... Lied to. <laughs> who has been lied to by their friend. Oh, what's the little girl's name in uh, Miracle on 34th Street? Matilda. <laughs> Matilda. <laughs> I was going to say Matilda anyway, because Matilda's a, a child we feel sorry for. All right, go on, Matilda. Wait, hold okay. On. Do you mean what? Ma- Matilda? Matilda. This is from Matilda at Christmas. <laughs> I didn't know um, the Scottish version. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> My name's Leon. I'm a Scottish assassin. <laughs> Is that how he'd approach like a target? 
<laughs> you have to introduce yourself. I'm going to kill you. Being... <laughs> I'm going to kill you. To liberate Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to jump in and help Matilda. Matilda, maybe Tyler is just a hater. Maybe he's got a PhD, a player hater's degree. But Matilda, and I think the lads might be angry at me for bringing this up, but maybe he's got a point. (gasps) Now, fiction is full of amazing, powerful characters whose existence might be doubted if they weren't proven at the end to be just as amazing and magical as everyone believed they were. Like... The Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Dorothy and all her friends would have been screwed if they hadn't believed in this amazing man. The Mandarin in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. We all remember that iconic scene when Tony Stark finally encounters the Mandarin in his bedroom. One of the best battles in the MCU, probably. You know, he's just as powerful as everyone believed him to be, the Mandarin. (laughs) Now... I'm going to talk about 1984 by George Orwell. In 1984, Big Brother is the leader of Oceania, a a totalitarian state in which the book is set. Everyone who lives in Oceania is constantly under surveillance. Uh, Posters say, Big Brother is watching you all over the place. And, you know, they all feel um, watched. And in 1984... The world is reeling from world wars, revolutions, conflict, and Oceania is one of the three um, totalitarian superstates that now rule the world. And all the action in the book takes place in Airstrip One, which is formerly Great Britain, where a resistance movement might just be beginning to stir. Now, being a novel about political oppression and totalitarianism and mass surveillance, This big brother figure is used as a symbol to keep people in line. There's a cult of personality around him in which people are brainwashed into loving him and fearing his disapproval. Now, what does this sound like? Would it be too outrageous for me to say that big brother sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake and knows if you've been bad or good? So everyone is good. For goodness sake. Mm. Blowing my mind, man. (laughs) Like Santa, there are people who doubt that Big Brother even exists. No one has ever seen him and it seems like he'll never die. A fictional book within the book says that he is simply the guise in which the party chooses to exhibit itself to the world. And we could get into a debate about whether he exists, whether Santa exists, but... My question is, whether they do or not, why does Big Brother care so much that everyone behaves themselves? Why should he make threats to keep people in line when he could just use love and education and trust to build a better society without having to oppress people? And why do we have to be good, nice little boys and girls to get presents at Christmas? Maybe it's because, whether Big Brother or Santa are real or not, they're just puppets of the man who wants to hold us down and keep us in line. I put it to you that your friend Tyler is a visionary and a revolutionary who you should follow blindly into a brighter future. Join the Brotherhood and revolt against Santa's oppression, Matilda. (laughs) 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 I I don't know if you knew this, but um, there's something called the Big Brother Awards, which are a real-life 
Awards, which recognise the government and private sector organisations which have done the most to threaten personal privacy. Doesn't sound like something we should be giving awards for. <laughs> it was, you know, everybody clap when they get an award. Like, <laughs> yeah. All deserved this year. Um, it's obviously like the raspberries and stuff, where obviously, yeah, you don't actually want to get one, but it's just to raise awareness of all these uh, privacy invasions. Awards were given in five categories: greatest corporate invader, lifetime menace, most invasive program, people's choice, and worst public official. And it was run in loads of com- countries, including Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, Czech Republic. But it doesn't seem to be run anymore in the UK or the USA. Oh, that's a bad sign. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, probably because it wouldn't be as fun anymore because Facebook would win every year. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's all from me, Matilda. Revolt against Santa. Did you like 1984? Yeah, no, as I say, like I've re- avoided talking about it because it's just the book that everyone refers to, but... Um, that doesn't make it not a classic. It is a classic. It's a good book. I remember really enjoying it at the time. It was quite a long time ago I read it. But what I can't remember is where does Jade Goody come into it? Hey, <laughs> oh, Liam. That took me a long time to get around to. <laughs> Dear 31 in the Big Brother house, <laughs> Liam is making references that Aaron doesn't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Liam is 32 minutes late to a scheduled meeting. that's every day in the big brother house (laughs) well matilda look whatever tyler says it simply cannot be true that father christmas isn't real and how do we know well the music industry has documented it many times there's many sightings of father christmas and there's one in particular that i want to talk about today Uh, and i think i know it's a song that was originally recorded in 1952 by Written and written actually by a thirteen-year-old boy called Jimmy Boyd, and it, Hasselbank. Jimmy Boyd. Jimmy Boyd Hasselbank. <laughs> <laughs> and the song is called "I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus." This is creepy. This one. Fun fact about this song: the Roman Catholic Church of Boston were very vocally unhappy about this when it came out because it associated Christmas with sex, apparently according to them. <laughs> and the local radio stations refused to play it. And Jimmy Boyd Hasselbank had to go and meet with the Boston <laughs> clergy to clear it up before they would actually play it again. I don't know what he oh said to them, days. but they probably saw that he was only 13 and thought, oh, it can't be about sex. I just want to clear this up right now. <laughs> this isn't about sex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for the clarification. I saw mommy tickle Santa Claus. His balls. <laughs> tickles his balls. She tickles his sack. <laughs> so three points to the first person to tell me you famously covered this in 1963. Aaron literally just sang it. Yeah, it's um, Jackson 5. Uh, Jackson 5. Ooh, I wasn't going there. I was going uh, mm. for the Ronettes. Uh, according to my sources, the most popular version is the Ronettes version that was released in 1963 and it was included on the 1963 album A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Spector. Disgraced producer. Yeah exactly but a couple of fun facts about that album. Friend of the show, new friend of the show, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys allegedly (laughs) offered to play piano on the album but got rejected because apparently he's not very good at the piano. 
<laughs> and, he, and he copied someone else's piano that he heard. He's like, this is great. I'm going to use this. <laughs> now, if we make this Christmas song about all the best surfing spots. <laughs> They're doing Christmas in Harlem. <laughs> um, also, Cher allegedly attended the recording sessions with Sonny, who was her boyfriend at the time. And Phil Spector. Sonny Bono. Yeah. Do you remember that um, that Simpsons episode where someone's in a coma and he goes, um, does Sonny Cher still have that awful show? He goes, she won an Oscar and he'd become a congressman. He goes, good night. And he goes back into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Phil Spector had Cher singing backing vocals for pretty much all of the songs on the album. And this was a couple of years before she was like famous. So it wasn't like she came in and she was this huge megastar and it was like, yeah, you can do backing vocals. Anyway. Those are fun facts. What's the song about, though? It's pretty simple. I think we all know it. A young child sees their mum kissing Father Christmas underneath the mistletoe and thinks, it'd be funny if Dad finds out. He's got to be real because he's an adulterer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, But this is my point, Matilda. Jimmy Boyd Hasselbank couldn't have written this song because if Father Christmas wasn't real, he would never have seen him. And you might think that that's a little bit tenuous, but there's, there's many, many, many other examples. We've already mentioned oh God, that was just one. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> Santa Baby from 1953. Here comes Santa Claus 1947. And who can forget the insane clown posse's 1994 release, Santa's a fat bitch, <laughs> which <laughs> opens with the classic line, Santa Claus suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And n- um, no imaginary character could inspire such, you know, Lyrical prowess. <laughs> Liam, uh, I, I'm i going to press X to doubt. The implication, I thought, of I saw mummy kissing Santa Claus is that the dad was dressed up as Santa. That's what's really going on there. Well, that might be what you think with your... <laughs> <laughs> but I think, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know you want to fight against Santa's oppression and all that, but you know, at the end of the day, you need to bring Santa down. He's been a despot for too long. <laughs> at the end of the day, Jimmy Boyd was only thirteen, and he saw what he saw, and he didn't think anything more of it. Fair How enough. many more spies does Santa need to send before you sheeple wake up? <laughs> <laughs> wake up, sheeple! <laughs> so nice one, Liam. I think I'm, I'm glad I'm ending this one because I'm going to talk about the film that encapsulates the spirit of Christmas. But you've already done Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the film, the second best encapsulating Christmas film there is. Um, 1946, It's a Wonderful Life, directed by Frank Capra. I watched this last year for the first time. Have you seen it? I don't think I've ever seen no. it. No. No. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one... the number one Christmas film on mm. IMDb, I think. Probably. It's amazing. It's wonderful, in fact. It's a wonderful film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, George Bailey, um, his life's gone a bit... Uh, it's not gone the way he wanted. He um, he wanted, He worked in his family's his father's business, which is a building society, for a while on the proviso that when he finishes college, he's going to go off and see the world. And he had big plans. He's booked it all, booked the boat. But his dad dies of a stroke, and he has to... Um, resign himself to working in the family business and his brother goes off to college instead becomes a very successful well he sends his brother off to college on the proviso that when he gets back he takes over the business and he can go on his round world trip but his brother accepts a high-flying job with his father-in-law that he 
he gets married while he's away. George is deaf in one ear from when he saved his brother from drowning. And um, so when the war breaks out, World War Two, he can't go to war, but his brother goes and gets a Medal of Honor. And it seems to him that everything is good is happening to his brother and he has to stick around and just be the guy that holds it all together. Um, the building society runs into financial difficulty and the, the nasty town tycoon is trying to buy them out so that he owns everything in the town. And he needs, um, he has some money to pay like the tax collector guy or something. And if he doesn't pay them, then he's going to be disgraced and he'd probably be imprisoned. Um, and he loses the money. And um, this nasty guy finds it and doesn't say anything. And he's like, yes, he's going to go pop now. So George goes to a bar and um, gets really drunk, punches someone, and then contemplates suicide. And then someone else jumps into the river and George saves him. And it turns out that he's his guardian angel, Clarence. And Clarence has to save George to get his wings and to be a fully-fledged angel. He's an angel second class at the moment, not first class, because he hasn't got wings. And so what Clarence does is show um, George what life would be like if he didn't exist. His brother would have died. He say he stopped a drunken uh, pharmacist from poisoning a boy by accident in real life. So that boy would have died. So, um, yeah, his brother wouldn't have saved people, um, a whole transit plane of people, and he wouldn't have got a Medal of Honor. And the whole town actually goes to shit and becomes like um, a cemetery instead of like this new flourishing town that George is trying to, help build so he, he sees that the world is actually whilst it might not be what he wanted he's a very important part of the entire world or his world his town and um it, it does sound a bit like this guy had a very like impressive life like hmm. it sounded like he was moping around a bit but when you actually look at all the things he did in his life that's exactly the point it's yeah, above he, average uh, isn't it yeah and he might not because say he, it's wonderful <laughs> You could say that because he didn't do what he felt his life should be. He thought it was a failure, but in actual fact, it was, you know, he was pivotal and made a lot of other people happy. And then, so he decides not to kill himself and the rest of the town collect this money up because they love him so much. Like he's such a a figure in the town. They collect the money and give it to the guy and he saves his bank. The evil guy is like, oh, fuck's sake. And and Clarence gets his wings and becomes a first class angel. So all ends well. And it is, it just shows George's life is wonderful and he should be more, you know, just because Tyler is telling you something doesn't mean it's true. Um, See the bigger picture. If you believe, just believe. And if that makes you happy, Um, be happy. Carl, did you use Miracle on 34th Street last year? No. Is this a perfect one? I feel like that is perfect. Yeah, I feel isn't like it? this was handed to you on a platter. <laughs> this, this problem, and that is like the that's ex- the exact storyline, basically, of <laughs> Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. No, you're wrong. And yet, <laughs> all right, good point. Let's hope we have this exact problem next year. <laughs> Send your Christmas problems in now, so Carl can actually use the right examples this time. <laughs> No, it was still a good example, Carl. Well done. Mm. It's a good film to um, remind yourself that um, Christmas is a magic time. It's the most wonderful time of the year, some would say. I don't know the words. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, we've yeah, we've pretty much solved three problems at Christmas. Uh, maybe we should go off for some eggnog and Baileys and Christmas pudding. 
It's the most wonderful time of the year, by the way. It was the 17th most streamed Christmas song of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great, Liam. Nice callback. And I'm going to do one more callback. The last pop quiz arsehole of the episode is three all so far because you shared two points each. Mm. Are you ready? You got your buzzers ready? Ready. Ready. Well, you know, snow is falling. All around me. Jingle bells. Yeah. Is it Olaf? <laughs> Olaf? What? <laughs> From Frozen. This is, uh, do you remember when I said that some of them will be terrible? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the one my wife said. That doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Snow is falling. All around me. Children playing. Having fun. (laughs) It's the season for love and understanding. Oh, oh, oh. Can I pass again? Jingle bells. Is it John Travolta? (laughs) (laughs) It is. Definitely is. Maybe this is unwinnable (laughs) because of the bad impression. It's Christopher Walken. Yeah, I didn't get oh that. Too, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough. <laughs> I get what you're trying uh, well, to do. Maybe it's for the executive. Maybe it's in the maybe it's in the Christmas spirit that it should end at three all anyway, because everybody wins. It's at a Christmas. time for sharing. Thanks, lads, and I think we've um, solved all of those people's problems perfectly. Everyone's going to have a great Christmas now because we've solved all of their problems. Before we leave, though, we've got to recommend our favourite art of the day. If our listeners are going to listen to, watch, or read one thing from today's episode. What should they choose? Carl? Um, for Christmas, it's A Wonderful Life. The second best Christmas film of all time, after Braveheart. <laughs> Which you also mentioned this episode. Yes. Liam? Um, I didn't actually mention this, but it is in the top 40 list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number for I, I challenge anyone to not feel... Warm and fuzzy after listening to the Christmas song by Nat King Cole, number 36 in the top 40 most streamed Christmas songs of all time. All right. I think we'll allow that once because it's Christmas, (laughs) but next time it has to be a piece of art you mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to choose, I guess, 1984 because it's a classic and... um, I just feel like it would be a bit cheap to say The Grinch because it'll take you about five minutes to read. Well, they must, maybe that's what people want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go for it's it. It's the people what they want. Uh, no, I'm still going to stick with 1984. It's a classic. Read it and then uh, revolt against Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we've got time for today. Check out the Agono... Agono notes. <laughs> Agono. <laughs> Check out the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs. If you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach out on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. Now, as we mentioned in the last episode, we thought that was the end of the series too, and so did you. But this is a surprise Christmas special. Remember that any problems you submit won't be dealt with until series three, but I'm sure you can wait. Uh, I'd like to thank our resident agony aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Carl. Merry Christmas. 
Minspire. Oh no, I'll do that later. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening. We will be back next series with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See, 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 see ya. Ho, ho, ho. But I'd suggest keep it light Cause their advice can be shite And they won't be held liable Oh no, not at all Not here But Agony Art Agony Art Agony Art That intro to step into christmas is proper fucking stupid isn't it welcome to my <laughs> christmas song i think we should have, i think they should do that more often like introduce a song like <laughs> welcome to my breakup song yeah. i'm very sad you've left my house <laughs> <laughs>